Well, good morning, church, and let's just pray together. Gracious, loving God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us today. May your Holy Spirit be there and open your word afresh and anew for our lives. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. I mean, it's, as Rick has alluded, we're starting a new preaching series, and you can tell we've got a new intro into the series as well, and it is called Bless. How do we love our neighbours? So we're going to be looking over these five weeks in October at how we bless those around us, how we love our neighbours. Um, it, it, it's based actually upon a book called Bless, surprisingly, um, by Dave and John Ferguson. So if you want to actually read that, please do. It's a reasonably new book. Um, but it is, it's actually how do we have five simple everyday activities that we can do that will show the love of God to our neighbours, those around us. So we're going to delve into this. And the first way that we are going to be looking at this, the first everyday thing that we can look at is that, and it ties in beautifully to our last series, which we did all on prayer, didn't we? We spent a whole month looking at prayer and understanding a little bit more about prayer. But the whole premise of starting with this is that we begin with prayer. So it's important for us to have looked at prayer over the, that period of time, what Jesus did in praying and how others prayed. But we need to learn how to begin with prayer to pray for those around us and the importance that that has if we were to bless the world around us. So I'm going to actually start with a, a section from Luke's Gospel. Um, it's actually a little bit later than the Bible reading that we just had from Luke 10, verses 25 to 29. And it says this, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice a couple of things. There are a couple of interactions, a couple of real interactions that are mentioned. What's, what's the, the first one is to, you know, whenever we hear this, whenever people want to distill down what Christianity is about or what's so important about Christianity, so many people will come to this passage and they will go, oh, we've got to love our neighbour as ourselves. Well, it actually starts with loving God. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. I love that. That is where we start. If we want to bless the community, if we want to do anything, we start with loving God. So first of our interactions, love God and then we love our neighbours. Notice it says, love your neighbour, God, neighbour, as yourself. Love yourself. It's not, not self-deprecation here. It is about how you love yourself. You should be loving the neighbours. It's the same as that. 
this great command, it's not just about God and us. It's not just about a personal interaction. God wants, God expects us to love our neighbours. It's actually flowed from the Old Testament all the way through. This is a quoting of a passage from the Old Testament. In fact, if we think about it, if we are really honest with what the Scripture says for us, what the Bible says for us, that we are vehicles to make God's love real in the world, to make it apparent in the world around us. We are blessed to be a blessing. This concept of being blessed to be a blessing has its roots in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, all the way back in Genesis. So we're going to go to Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and I'm going to put this up on the screen for us. And it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you. I will make you great make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. So God is going to bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be what? You will be a blessing. I will bless those you bless, and those who you curse, I will curse, and all the people will be blessed through you. Can you see that? Even right at the beginning, God has put this up for us through Abram about God blessing us, And that through that blessing, we bless others. So as we connect with our God, as we love God, we know that we need to love our neighbours as ourselves. How do we do that? We do that through blessing them. How do we love our neighbour? We bless them. We become a blessing to them. In our lives, we bless those around us. Over the next five weeks, we are going to look at There's five different ways to love our neighbours. How do we bless them? How do we bless them indeed? So let's start with by beginning in prayer. We take this example of beginning everything in prayer. Anything important that we should do in our life, anything important in our church, anything important in the ministry that we have, we should do what? We should begin in prayer. We should surround it in prayer We should have everything wrapped in prayer. So the kids' ministry, the kids' extravagant that we've got coming up, which is a way of blessing our neighbours. Amazing blessing to young families. We begin with prayer. We surround it with prayer. We uphold it in prayer. Prayer is so important. So let's go back to the reading that we've had that Nicola brought to us here from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, um, verses 12 to 16. And we can see here, what does Jesus do when he needs to choose amongst those who had started to follow him, who had started to call out to come and be disciples to follow along? What does he do when he needs to choose the 12 apostles? What does he need to really do to allow the ministry that he's about to do out into all of the world happen? So let's go to the Bible again and let's hear what it says. So Luke 6, verses 12 to 16, and it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So what does Jesus do right here? He goes out and he spends time connecting with God being connected with God, loving God, praying to God, having that relationship, that connection with God. And then when he comes back, when morning came, he came to his disciples, 
his disciples to him and chose the 12. So it is important that before he did any of that, he spent time in prayer, before he stepped out and chose the disciples, he spent time in prayer. And then he chose the 12 of them who he designated apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And then we know that he goes on and then he does ministry, he heals people, so it is you know, he has this time in prayer. It is so important. For Jesus, prayer was just like breathing. Breathing in, connecting with God, and breathing out ministry and passion into the world around us. It's what he did. It's who he was. You know, when we make big decisions, what do we do? Now, those who like spreadsheets and flowcharts will create spreadsheets and flowcharts of decisions. And, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody a little while ago, and we were talking about how you make good decisions within church organisations. And he was saying, oh, well, you've got to have a, you know, got to have a good decision tree. If you, you know, something's here, you have a choice either that way or that way or that way. And then when that happens, you go down here, a good decision tree. The reality is, when we want to make a decision in a church, what do we do? Can you help me, church? Yes, you've got it. You're already starting to get there. You pray. When you want to make a decision in church, you pray. When you want to make a decision in your life, what do you do? Pray. Now, I don't know how many of you will spend all night in prayer. Maybe we might just go, oh, God, please help me with this decision today. They're a really huge decision. It's going to change my life. Five seconds in, we're into the next things we need to do. Sometimes the prayer needs to be more connected, more centering, more coming into that. We've got to pray. It's got to become like breathing for us. It's got to become the way we just do things. What would happen if prayer just became breathing like us? Instead of trying to grab God's attention, God's trying to grab our attention, and we're doing it in this spasmodic thing, what happens if we instead intentionally come into prayer and connection with God? What happens if we began the day in prayer? What happens if we, in the middle of the day, took time to pray? What happens at the end of the day we prayed? What happens if that was just a moment of just joining in and connecting? You know what? I'm going to put a statement on the screen for us. You know, crazy things happen when we begin with prayer. You know, stuff, amazing stuff happens when we start to pray. When the church starts to pray, amazing things happen. God does amazing stuff. Corey Teen Boone um, the Holocaust survivor says this about prayer, and we kind of need to, kind of really need to hear this. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that He will get us involved in His plans for the answer. So when we pray, guess what? God's going to do something in you. Prayer changes you. When we connect with God. He does an amazing thing. 
Not only will he answer that prayer, but he will change you to be part of that answer. When we pray, we are changed. So we begin with prayer. We begin by praying for our neighbours. Now you might be like in that, that section that we just had, like the religious expert from Luke 10 that says, well, who is my neighbour? Well, I'm going to give you a simple tool to help you with this question. The question is, who is my neighbour? Now, for those who've pulled up the church app and had a look on the things, we actually have a graphic there for you that has your house and eight boxes around it. Your house and eight boxes around it. You know, um, you can go to this. It's easy to do. But what I want you to do, I want you to think about the eight houses that surround you. Now, you don't have to be geographically correct. It's not like bang, 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 you know. And, and Annette and I here, I'm not sure we can actually... We've got lots of factory units around us. Um, and I know there's a couple of houses over there. Paul's one of them. So it's like, hang, oh, hang on. We're, it's so different. Like, where we were in, in Cronulla, we were surrounded by units. So it was easy to pick eight people around us. But here... Pick eight houses around you. Do you, you know, they're the people who live closest to you. I want you to write down their names. Now, here comes the first issue sometimes. Do we actually know the names of the eight closest people around us? You know, the, the reality is we live in a time in a world where we don't actually interact with those people around us as much as we used to. Go back quite a number of years and you would know your neighbours. I remember when I was growing up, and that's going back a number of years, our neighbours, we would be playing in the street. We would know one another. There would be cricket matches in the street and families would get together and we would know what's going on and if there was an issue or a problem, we shared together. But in our society now, it is harder for us to know our neighbours, you know. When we, for Annette and I moved back to Sydney from being in Broken Hill, we moved back and we moved into a new housing estate. One of the things was that people would commute, they, they, they would literally hop in their car in the morning, drive to work, be at work all day, drive home, click the remote garage, open the garage, would open their drive in their house and they would not interact with anybody outside. We have all of these dormitory suburbs where we don't know those people around us. So how can we bless our neighbours unless we know them? We're going to start to know them. You know, and this tool's going to help you to pray for them as well. Now, Rick did allude to this may not be that you, you know, when you're choosing who your neighbours are going to be, it may not be a geographic thing. So you might actually choose that instead of being the geographic people around you, because, and this might be something Annette and I will do because there's less people around us and more units, we might actually choose um, more a social interaction, a social connection, those people that we are connected with socially, whether it is at work, whether it is the, the gym, and we've got a gym here that people often in our church will go to, whether we connect with them, whether it is your football, your cricket team, your netball team, you know, people you go surfing with. The point is to have eight people 
you are physically or relationally in close proximity to. Write their names down. Because you're going to pray for them. Not people on the other side of the words, people that you are connected with. People that you can make a difference to. People you can bless. People that you can interact with. Now, the challenge is for us, is to pray each day for these people by name. There is power in prayer when we name those people. There is power in prayer when we name those people and we name the issues that are going on and we ask God to intervene in their lives. Now, there are many amazing stories that we can pick up about people who who've just listened to God and started praying and just sharing that and saying, I'm praying for you. I remember when I was going through college, there was a study about um, the power of prayer. I'm just praying for people that, you know, in, in hospital and how those people who were prayed for were healed more quickly. Their, their outcomes were better than those people who weren't prayed for. There is power in prayer. God does amazing things. I want to say this. These five everyday steps that we're going to do over the the next little while and hopefully is going to carry on. This is just to let you know about it, to help us inform us. This is not about a program. This is not about a checklist that you tick off. So when you've got those names there, those eight names you've got, this is not about a checklist of going, oh, yeah, I've prayed for them today, fantastic, let me move on my life. It's about a becoming ingrained in you, a becoming like breath, that prayer is part of your breath. It will be this missional rhythm that we have that will take the focus from ourselves back to God and God's mission into the world, which is to reach our neighbours, those people around us. It is easy for us to focus on ourselves. It is harder for us to focus on others. And so this is an attempt to help you understand and come into in a focus that is beyond yourself. One of the little quotes that I picked out from the book says this. Following Jesus was not meant to be comfortable. It is meant to be life-changing. Is so important. If we think following God is just about our comfort, then we've missed what it means to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Being a Christian and following God is life-changing. There's no telling where God is actually going to take you. And we talk about and we pray for and we support Marty and the, our neighbours' orphanage in, in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. And that is because God has spoken into their lives and taken them to the other side of the world to do mission, to love the neighbours, to love those around and be a blessing to them. God is powerful, God is amazing and will challenge us and do amazing things. 
So my prayer for us is that we will start to actually look beyond ourselves. We will start to pray for our neighbours, those around us, those that we are relationally or physically connected with. So let's pray and we're going to come into communion in just a moment. A gracious, loving God, we, we give you thanks for this time. We give you thanks that you challenge us, that all throughout the Bible, that we can see right at the beginning and we can see partway through, that you are challenging us to look beyond ourselves, to look to you and to those around us, our neighbours. Lord, may we indeed be blessed to be a blessing to those around us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.